Hi. Hi. I am not Steve Malone. <laughs> um, if this is your first Sunday here, I, I apologize. Steve is amazing. So is Lori. Um, Hannah does an incredible job holding down the fort around here while both of them are gone. Uh, I just wanted to say you guys are an incredible church. I've been here probably three or four times. I share with you guys, and I love coming back here because this is an incredible family. And I, I just want to say thank you to all those who have been a part of the leading worship, uh, announcements, everything's gone off amazing this morning. And hopefully um, when we get into his word, we can continue to worship him together in that. Um, I mean, I just want to take a moment and just pray for the staff and pray for your church um, because I love this church. And if you will, join with me and pray. God, I uh, am humbled to be here. It's an honor because I recognize the, the greatness of who you are. In humble adoration, I come before you and just ask that you would continue your great work in this place among the people because, God, you have been moving here, You've been moving in the lives of so many I love hearing the stories of how folk get connected to this body. And it's all because you are there. And God, sometimes when we have parts of our family who are away, whether it's elders or staff, uh, God, we just want to lift you up and ask that you would be with them there. Will you work in them and through them, whether they're in Ireland or anyone else in the world, that you would just use them in incredible ways. Today, we discuss your word. May you move us. Will you give all of us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are open to be changed by you because you are the one who can do that. We pray this in the name of your son. Amen. Well, I, I want to start off by uh, sharing a, a quote from Billy Graham. Um, Billy Graham passed away a few months ago, and I've just been captivated reading up about Billy over the last you know, three or four months. Um, the quote goes this, God measures people by the small dimensions of humility and not by the bigness of their achievements or the size of their capabilities. God measures people by the small dimensions of humility. And I've been wrestling with this for the last three or four months uh, after reading this quote. And I've been digging into Matthew chapter 18. And that's where we're going to be all day today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew 18. Um, I have just been fascinated about humility. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to go along with me and be uh, captivated by what Jesus has to say about humility. So Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 14, it says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Sounds humble, right? It says, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? One of the things we have to understand to really grasp this 
is they're not just saying, hey, who's the best? You know, who's the best looking? Who's the most popular? Who, uh, who's the best at being your friend? You know, John, who always says, I'm the one whom Jesus loved. Uh, he's part of this group that's asking this question, who is the greatest? It's more than just appeal. They're actually asking who is right. If you're like my kids, I have, I have an 8-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old son, um, Catherine and Caleb, and they argue all the time. You guys have kids that argue like crazy, right? They argue all the time, and they can go back and forth about two different sides of the same coin, and all they want to know is, I'm right and you're wrong. That's all they're trying to prove, right? Because if they're right, then they're the greatest. They've got one up on my brother and my sister. You see, that's the same thing that's going on among these disciples. You see, among the disciples, Jesus brought in this ragtag group of people, men, who were from all different backgrounds. And actually, there are five different schools of thought going on in, in among the Israelites at this point, the Jewish folks. There were the Sadducees. These were the ordained, they had an ordained role, they, but they were very corrupt, much like the mob. We've heard of them. They're, the Herodians, they had a missional placement. They felt like God had placed them in this world for this reason. But they were full of self-idolatry. Because if you are placed, then you start thinking, I, I'm, I'm here for a reason. I am better than anyone else. So they, they became very man-centered. Then there were the Essenes. They were committed to the text, but tended to isolate themselves. Now for us, we might think of people like maybe, uh, I'm trying to think of um, the, uh, I just, I lost them. Um, the folks who, the, you know, the folks who, who uh, drive around in the buggies. Come on, somebody's. Amish. Amish. Amish, there we go. That was the name I, I lost. So thank you for uh, joining up with me on that. Well, the, the Essenes were much like the Amish. They wanted to separate themselves and be committed to the text and not be a part of the world. And then there were the Zealots. These were passionate and full of zeal. Probably Peter fell in this camp a lot, right? You know, when, when things are not going as he wants and Jesus is being taken off, what does he do? Grabs a sword and he cuts off the man's ear, Right? That's the kind of passion and zeal that often leads leads to violence. And then there were the Pharisees, incredibly devoted, but they lacked compassion for people. They were always trying to set up the rules and the regulations. And so when the disciples asked, who is the greatest? They were asking, who is right among us? We're all different. Who is the one who is right And let's all join up with that side because we trust in you, Jesus. So this question has much more depth than who you like most. Notice what Jesus says. He calls to him a little child. And he placed a child among them. And he says, truly, I tell you, if you change and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. (coughs) 
Therefore, whoever takes this lowly position of a child, not the child who's arguing back and forth, but a child who just wants to join up, take the lowly position of this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Jesus is, is authoring this whole conversation about humility, becoming less than we think we are, becoming not about what is right or what we think is right, but truly just coming near to the one who is right. Humility is a, a lot about Christ-likeness. And we need more of that in my life. I think we probably need all that, more of that in the church, not just in this church, but in all churches. Because the world needs to see more of Jesus in us and through us. You see, the thing I love about Scripture is that if you read things in context, you start to see in a longer, um, bigger picture of what's going on. I love Matthew chapter 18 because I started to see there's a bigger, there's a bigger train of thought about humility that's going on. So if you will, let's join up with me in this journey of figuring out what humility needs to look like in our lives. Verse 10 through 14, it says this. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that the angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine and run after the one? And if he finds it, I tr- truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. You see, if we own a business, right? You, you and I own a business. If we had a hundred things that we're trying to sell and one of those things went missing, wouldn't it be ridiculous if we left the 99 of those things that have value, that those things that actually we're trying to sell, that bring money into our business, when we go out there and search high and low for the one that's missing, In our mindset, our Western mindset, this makes no sense. Leaving 99 sheep and running after the one. But in the Eastern mindset, this totally makes sense because it's about every person having value. Everything has value. And see, I want to encourage you guys that we need to have this reckless kind of love. We sing this song, right? We need to have the reckless kind of love that Jesus has for us. Jesus sat up in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and, and he was willing to leave all of that amazingness to come to this earth as a human being, born as a baby, and going through all the crud that we go through. And yet he goes through all of this is accused even though he's innocent, he's willing to die so that we may have the opportunity as one 
to join him in heaven with the Father. You see, he's willing to give it all up. He does this reckless thing we call love, and yet oftentimes we can't grasp this reckless love that he is asking us to share with others. Oftentimes I struggle with it because I'm so full of myself. I haven't grasped the humility that Jesus has in mind when he shares for us to be like the one who runs after the one and leaves the 99. I want to encourage you today to run after the one. Who is the one that you need to reach out to? Who is the one that you need to just seek after, have a coffee appointment with, to have a conversation with, to love on them? Maybe it's somebody who's not at church today. Maybe it's a friend that you haven't talked to in weeks or months. Maybe it's a relative that you are are just struggling to catch up with. I want to encourage you today to spend some time being reckless with your love, being reckless with your time, and actually reaching out to one. I want to just uh, encourage you in this. I I think that um, getting together over coffee is a beautiful thing. Uh, One of the things we do with Among Our Staff, and I didn't even introduce myself, but my name is Josh Smith, and I, I serve in Uh, campus ministry, um, college ministries of Virginia. We have campuses all over the state. And uh, one of our things that we really say is our bread and butter is is getting together in one-on-one meetings, mostly over coffee or lunch. Uh, I got to do one of these one-on-ones, actually two of them in the same day, um, with two freshmen at Christopher Newport University. Uh, I love doing this. I joined up with these, one was over coffee, one was over lunch. And literally, I spent over an hour with one student and an hour and a half with another student. And I walked away for the very first time in my life exhausted. (laughs) Exhausted. You're thinking, how can you be exhausted over coffee or lunch? Chick-fil-A is amazing, right? How can you be exhausted after that? (laughs) Well, I was exhausted because these two freshmen proceeded for over an hour and an hour and a half to tell me all the things that they had figured out about this world. How they had figured out their plans, where they were going, what they were doing. And I'm thinking, you're 18 years old. How in the world? I'm 42. I sat there and listened and listened and listened, and I couldn't wrap my mind around, how do you have this thing all figured out? I wanted to ask the question that's so simple. Such a simple question. Are you listening to anyone else? Because all they did was talk. Sometimes, like my freshman friends, all we do is talk. All we do is talk. We're not listening to one another. We're not investing in one another. We're not showing this reckless kind of love to one another. 
You see, they, they just wanted to prove to me that they had it all figured out. They wanted to prove to me how right they were, how good they were, how much they had this whole world wrapped around their finger. I find myself doing that as well. In true humility, we need to search after what others are thinking. In true humility, we need to ask questions. Man, that's tough. Because we actually have to care what someone else thinks. We actually have to challenge somebody when things are not right. We have to invest in someone. I struggle with that at times. I want to be right. But Jesus describes us humility where we don't always have to be right. Instead, we always have to be full of love. And I want to encourage you to be reckless with that love. We continue on in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. It says this, If your brothers and sisters sins, go and point out their fault. Man, how hard is this? Some of us in this room, it might be easy, right? <laughs> if you're one of those people who's full of justice, you're like, I sign me up for this every day, all day. I'll go talk to people who are wrong. I'm not one of them. Man, going and talking to someone about a sin is tough work. But Jesus describes what this is supposed to look like. He says, if go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Not, not going over into a circle in, in church parking lot and having a conversation about what this person's doing wrong. We call that gossip. Instead, go and speak one-on-one with this person and really invest again. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two along, others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Here's the hard thing about talking to someone about their sin. Number one, if you go talk to someone about their sin, oftentimes they're going to say, who are you to tell me that I've got something wrong in my life? You've got just as much, if not more, than I do. So we, we cower out of fear. And one of the things I've learned is that as I actually have these kinds of conversations, if my heart is in the right place, if I'm praying this through, and the Lord is in it, it can't go wrong. It can't go wrong. So I need to surrender myself, submit myself to this kind of relationship with God and allow him to do the work. I'm just a vessel in the moment. I want to encourage you. 
And when you think something is not right in someone's life, pray. Pray for the Lord to do his work in their life. Pray asking if the Lord is using you to speak into their lives. And if he is, pray some more. Because this is tough. But if you have, if you prayed it up, and if you have your heart in the right place, and if you're going to them in love, it can't go wrong. See, oftentimes this cement the relationship that you have with that person. It's cemented because it is of God. Uh, every time I have stepped out in faith and had conversations with folks about sin in people's lives, and I've done it in the correct way, man, God has been honored and lives have been changed, including my very own. And when folks have done this to me, with me, what an amazing moment in my life. Incredible moment in my life that have helped me in my journey. And if we at the body of Christ, we need to have this kind of relationship with one another. A relationship that is willing to step out there in, in faith, trusting, praying, and letting him do this work in their lives. But it takes an incredible amount of godly humility. This kind of humility spurs us on to reach out in spite of sin. And I want to encourage you, I want to ask you, and I'm going to pray with you, who is it that God may be calling you to reach out to today, maybe this week. Who is it that you need to have a conversation with about their their sin? I pray that you would go and be obedient and faithful and reach out. Let's wrap this up with uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 22. This is Jesus showed... Jesus tells the story. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive? How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? That sounds like a lot. Seven times, right? Among that time, uh, that's exactly what the Jewish uh, mindset was, if you do it seven times, then you're done with all the forgiving you need to do. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And some scripts, some passages say 70 times seven. It really doesn't matter. He just says, keep forgiving. You forgive, and then you forgive, and then you forgive, and you keep on forgiving. There is no limit to the forgiveness Why? Because God has forgiven us an immeasurable amount of times, right? He has forgiven me each and every time I sin. Probably in sins, as I was driving this morning here, he forgave me. So forgiveness is a powerful thing, and it takes an obscene amount of humility to seek forgiveness, and probably even more so, 
to forgive someone else. See, reconciliation is an incredibly beautiful thing. Putting aside our pride to allow Christ to make our relationship whole is a costly endeavor. When things cost something, oftentimes we take stock of that, don't we? If you need to buy a, let's say a television, if you, you need a television for your house, right? A flat screen, nice, maybe even curved one, right? And it costs you a thousand bucks, just throwing a figure out there, right? If it costs you a thousand bucks, are you going to try to figure out how you can get the best deal? Are you going to try to figure out how can I save up money or how can I pay this off on my credit card as soon as possible? Yes, we want to measure it up. We do the same thing with forgiveness, right? We measure it up and we say, what is this going to cost me? And do you hear yourself when you ask that question? What is it going to cost me? That's where my pride becomes very evident when I ask myself that question. What is it going to cost me? You see, forgiveness is not about me. It's nothing that I have ever authored. It's nothing you could ever author. It's only something that is of God. You see, God is the one who creates forgiveness. God is the one who does the forgiving. He just uses us. I want to challenge you today to put us out of yourself truly seek this godly humility and be willing to forgive. All of us have that one person. Maybe it's even, you have a list of them, right? That you struggle to forgive. Today, would you write down one person's name? Would you Seek forgiveness. Will you pray to God that he would help you to become a faithful follower of him and willing to forgive beyond yourself? Maybe you need to take a step forward. Maybe that person needs to be the same person that you need to reach out to them about sin in their life or maybe conflict, and you actually meet with them. And you talk with them and you say, I forgive you. Would you forgive me for holding on to that for so long? Hmm. Powerful. Powerful. That power only comes when we set aside ourselves, our need to be right, our need to be the greatest. I love how Jesus moves, I love how Jesus works. And I pray that you would love it so much that you'd be willing to be a part of that. Will you be willing to to set aside yourself to reach, to reconcile, to be reckless with your love today? Billy Graham, when he was uh, wrapping up Um, not really wrapping up his ministry, but when they were getting ready to open up his library, uh, they had a big opening ceremony, right? They had three three living presidents were there. 
They came and they, they saw the library and they made these speeches. And then finally, Billy Graham got up to speak. And I just want to share this with you. It's not on the screen. Uh, this was in 2007. He said this, I feel like I've been attending my very own funeral. Listening to all these speeches, he said to the crowd with nervous laughter. I've been here at this library once, and my one comment when I toured it was that it was way too much about Billy Graham. And he said this, my whole life has been to please the Lord and honor Jesus, not to see me and to think of me. Let's pray. Father, this world wants us to be the center of the universe. This world wants each of us to be right if we are the center. This world wants to be filled up of ourselves. But Jesus, when we surrender to you, you transform all of that. And now we're focusing on what you have in mind. And God, when we recognize how incredible you are and how limited and finite we are, we recognize the humility that we need to have in life. But humility takes action. Humility takes reckless love. And humility takes a reaching out. And humility takes reconciliation and God I pray that you would find that to be true in us today may you be honored in that because you alone deserve it not that it's about us but it's about you and so Father we pray this in the name of your son Jesus Amen